So if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. From Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we praise you. and We ask that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that we're assembled in this very same room. If you need to close your eyes, that's fine. And we're here, not, not on a Sunday morning, but we're here getting ready for the 4th of July concert. Parenthesis, there is no 4th of July concert. Please don't email the church asking for tickets. There's no concert. But we're pretending. And at just the right moment, Jay Marty comes in dressed like Uncle Sam. Red striped pants look like lampposts with his top hat on. He seems about 10 feet tall. He takes his place on the podium. The choir stands up. The orchestra surges forward. And the very first thing that we hear, the only thing that we hear at the beginning of the concert is, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. And then the choir sits down, and Jay Marty sits down, and we start to look around like, did I nod off? Well, what about the broad stripes and bright? What about the bombs bursting? What, what, what about that dawn's early light business? But if we think about that for just a second, we're automatically filling in the lyric that precedes those last few measures of music, aren't we? If we think about it for just another second, we recognize that those last few measures of music actually encapsulate that very familiar song. Yeah, there's a new republic forged on the anvil of revolution, a republic founded on, on freedom and courage. And thematically, all of that is encapsulated right there at the end. So it is with our parable. You see, in a lot of Bibles, this parable that we're so familiar with about the two different kinds of builders is, is sort of placed in a standoff position as though it's not connected to anything. But actually, these are the very last words of the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. And you know how the Sermon on the Mount begins way back in Matthew chapter 5, seeing the crowds... He went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And for about the next hour, probably a little more than an hour if you read it out loud, he teaches and preaches about the kingdom of heaven. It is the single most common topic that the Lord teaches and preaches on. There are lots of topics, but the one that he keeps bringing up over and over again is this this kingdom of God. He'll say over and over, the kingdom of God is at hand. Several of the parables, probably a third of them, he actually introduces by saying, this is how the kingdom of heaven is going to be. And so when our parable starts by saying, the Lord says, everyone then who hears these words of mine, he's not talking about the parable he's about to tell. He's talking about what he has just finished preaching in his very first and very longest sermon at the beginning of his sort of national public ministry. Now, Matthew tells us a bit before the parable that that crowds have begun to follow Jesus. He's lived up in the north, but now he's going to begin his public ministry, and he does so by preaching about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what he's saying in that sermon is that the citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the citizens of the kingdom of heaven are in a different realm. They they see things differently. They, They think about God differently. Just, you know the topics. You could look in your Bible. They They know that anger is managed differently. They learn the very unnatural thing of praying for enemies, of being thankful for persecution. They think about wealth differently. They think about anxiety differently because, well, because they know the king of the kingdom of heaven. And what we we know quickly through that hour-long sermon is that in every culture and in every age, citizens of the kingdom of heaven are part of a culture that's anti-cultural. Think about it. There's no human planet, human culture on the planet where we pray for our enemies, where we cry out to God Almighty, Father, I pray to you, but your son told me that you know what I need even before I ask. And so the Sermon on the Mount finishes with this familiar little word picture of two different kinds of builders. And the Lord says, hear and do. Those who hear and take action based on what I've just told you in the sermon, well, they're like wise people. Now, we use the word the same way in English, don't we? We say, if we're in a conversation with someone, we might say, now, look, I hear you on that. But I hear you. I hear what you're saying. We don't, we don't mean that just the, the sound is happening. It means that we're incorporating what's being said to us, right? Actually, if you think about it in English, we have an odd idiom because we'll periodically say, do you see what I'm saying? Do I see? That's a mixed metaphor. The Lord didn't even do that, right? If you hear and take action on living out your identity as a citizen of the new realm that has been inaugurated by the Savior coming. I want to tell you, I want to tell you about my friend Karina. Karina was born in Romania, 
the daughter of an outspoken Christian pastor. At the end of her high school time, she moved from Oradia, Romania, to Jerusalem on the Brazos. Many of you know that is Waco, Texas. <laughs> she wanted to attend the only real university in the state. Okay, if we can get people to whoop, I can hold up the bear claw, all right? <laughs> Go with me on this. She lived with my parents-in-law. So to this very day, she is effectively my adopted sister-in-law. Well, one day, long after college, Lisa and I got invited to go to Karina's house because on that day, she was going to go downtown and become a citizen of the United States. So we showed up at her house for the celebration. She wasn't there. In a few minutes, she came in for the cake and the flag waving. Now think about what happened. When she got up that morning and left the house, she was not a citizen of our country. But she went downtown, and with an authority outside of herself, in an instant, she was declared to be a citizen of the United States. And in the ensuing 20 years, she's married a fellow she grew up with in Aradia. He also became a citizen. They live in Chicago. They've fretted over where to send their son to school. They shop on Amazon. They're part of the PTA. They have jobs, pay taxes, and they are card-carrying members of both Costco and Sam's. They are Americans. <laughs> now think about that. Karina, my friend, and Val, her husband, have more and more and more become what they have already been declared to be. In one instant, they became citizens. All the rights, all the, all the privileges. And over the ensuing two and a half decades or so, they have become more and more and more what they have already been declared to be. And thus it is in the kingdom of heaven when the Lord says, take in what I'm saying about this new realm because in Christ you are citizens of a new realm. Now live out that identity. And just as Pastor Robbie said last week, we need to be careful because it's possible to take just a glance, just a glance at this parable and, and fall off the donkey on either side. We can think that it's nothing more than a meteorologic pep talk, right? Do all this stuff and those storms are just going to pass you by. Or worse, we can fall off the horse on the other side as though it's some sort of bony-fingered Ebenezer Scrooge speech. If you want any thought of getting into heaven, you better do these things. I don't know if that sounded like Ebenezer Scrooge or not. It was supposed to be a villain. But the Lord, the Lord says right before the parable, if you have your scriptures open, look at the three verses right before the parable, because the last point that he makes is, it's not about doing the things I've been talking about to prove how much I ought to regard you. He says that on that day, what day is that? We'll speak of that. On that day, many will come and say, look what we did, Lord. Look what we did in your name. And I'm going to say to them, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. Friends, citizenship in the kingdom of heaven begins and ends because you know the king of the kingdom of heaven. And you grow up more and more in the fullness of Christ.
Now, the curious thing about this parable, though, is that it would have undoubtedly sounded a familiar tone, a familiar note. These are folks up in the north, right? They're blue-collar people. They're working-day people who've gone to synagogue every week of their born days. And the Lord is actually using language here in our parable that would have rung a familiar note. Listen to Isaiah 28, verse 2. Behold, the Lord who is mighty and strong, like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters, he cast down to the earth with his hand. What's Isaiah talking about at the behest of the Lord? Well, see, in those days, seven centuries ago, the people of God had turned their back on God. They had not trusted Him to keep those covenantal promises that we've heard about. And you remember that the covenant is, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will dwell among you and you will be a blessing to the nations. Well, they had certainly not done that. In fact, they had rushed toward being exactly like all the other nations to the point that when Isaiah was prophesying, the Assyrians to the north and the Egyptians to the south were threatening to overrun the country, particularly the Assyrians. And so the kings of Samaria and Judah decided, I know what we'll do, we'll make a treaty with Egypt. We're going to snuggle up next to the other enemy to hold off the one that is most imminent. And God prophesies against the people of God. Friends, the parable of the wise and foolish builders is a parable of judgment. It is a parable of judgment. Fifteen of the parables point to the reality that this one at the end of the longest sermon points to, and that is that there is no middle ground. There is no category for just a nice guy, a really sweet girl. Business so successful, you know, I don't... But this is a parable of judgment, and it would have rung a familiar note in the ears of those disciples gathered around. There are only two categories, wise and foolish. We know the other parables, don't we? The wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats, the unfruitful branches gathered up and thrown into the fire. That's three out of the 15. But on the night in which he was betrayed, these same disciples were also gathered with Jesus, weren't they? They had sat through the Sermon on the Mount, and now they were at the supper in the upper room. And they heard the Lord Jesus Christ say less than 24 hours when He would be crucified, tortured to death, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. Now, you may have grown up hearing that or many mansions. The word actually means an eternal dwelling place, a place where you're going to live forever. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, says, I am the builder of your eternal home. I am the builder of your eternal home. And on the night in which he was betrayed in John 16, starting in verse 22, he also said, look, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And finally, in John 16, 33, I have said these things that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The Lord Jesus Christ is the builder. He is also the rock and foundation. We read 28.2 when God prophesies against the people of God and is going to use the Assyrians to judge them. Twelve verses on in Isaiah 28, here's what Isaiah says. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem, because you have said, we've made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it's not going to come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Do you hear the, the treaties, the shifting sand of political intrigue? Behold, therefore, thus says the Lord God, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Peter quotes that. He was at the Sermon on the Mount. He was in the upper room, and he says in that quote, the translation, and those who believe in me will not be put to shame, and I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line, and hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and waters will overwhelm the shelter. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the builder of our eternal home, and as citizens of the realm of the kingdom of heaven, that kingdom is characterized by a citizenry overcome with peace and with joy. And the promise of Jesus, starting before Isaiah and including the night in which he was betrayed, is one day, one day, I will come and you will be with me and I will say to you, welcome home. Welcome home. I want to say two more things, and then we're going to finish with the prayer that the Lord taught those disciples to say in the Sermon on the Mount. It's printed on the bottom of your bulletin. I want to say to you what the parable calls me to say, which is, come to Jesus and stake your life on Him. Stake your life on it. And then I want to leave you with a question. 
What is, what is after all, the bedrock, the bedrock of your home address? Please with me, let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.